Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There's no one that deserves that kind of worship, but in heaven, just get this, the angels and the people that are in heaven just hit their faces. They they get as low as they can get. That is the, the attitude of heaven. They are laying down before the Lord in worship. Now, as I consider what's happening in heaven, I can consider my worship down here. Do I humble myself before the Lord? You know, do I take it when there's opportunities to corporately worship? Is my heart humbled? Is there there a great gratitude in my heart for who God is, for what God has done for me? Worship. You do it every Sunday at your local church. But why do we sing and praise God? The most common misconception about worship is that it's not only for Sundays, but every day. We worship and praise God because we, as Christians, want to be closer to Christ. And when we worship and praise His name, We create an intimate space, an environment, where we give God all the honor and glory He deserves. And in today's message, Pastor Bill reminds you that worshiping God while you're still here on earth matters. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I believe that this is why, of all deities, of all gods, and of all religions, you know who people have a problem with? Jesus. People don't have a problem with anything else. No one's ever mad about Buddha. People blow up buildings and kill people in the name of Islam, and people aren't that riled up about it. But you know what? You mentioned the name Jesus, and it's all kind of problems. You go in a, in a group thing, you can say God. You can be religious. You can be spiritual. Just don't mention Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus is exclusive. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. Um, I'm careful not to just kind of, you know, be vague about God. Like, oh, I just love God. No, I love Jesus. Um, I want to be clear on who he is. And so, and this is, this is why. He's the only one that's worthy to open the scroll. Oh, no, one, no one's able to redeem you and me but Jesus. There's no way you and me get to heaven and escape hell except Jesus. Amen? Bible says there's, there's salvation in no other name. Uh, he has a name above all names. That is name we'll see in a little later. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. There's something unique about Jesus that's not true about anybody else. And that's why people have an issue with Jesus' name. When people curse, no one ever says Buddha, you know. No one says, you know, Muhammad. They say they use Jesus Christ. They use his name as a cuss word. Why is that? He's the only one that there's a problem with. There's no attack on other things. There are things, when I look at it from a practical standpoint, I would think there would be an issue with a religion where people are blowing up folks. I think people would be a little more stirred up about that. We live in a world where they'll defend that, but they still come against us. We ain't blew up nothing, you know? It blows me away, but it's, it's spiritual. There's something behind that. And so I think part of what's behind it is that he's the one. He's it. He's the only one that can, that can open the scroll. He's the one that's going to redeem, that's going to save and so there's, there is an attack on Jesus that is not found anywhere else. And so now verse 6, it says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And so in the midst of the throne, so we're in the heavenly scene. Again, in the midst of heaven, there's the throne There's the one that's on the throne. In the midst of the throne, there's the angelic creatures, the four living creatures. And in the midst of all the elders that are there, right in the middle of everything, you got a lamb. The word for lamb here is interesting. It's a pet lamb. 
And in Jewish culture, uh, the Jews, they would actually take a, a pet lamb and the family would have the lamb in their home as a pet. And it would be kept until there was a ceremony with the lamb. That lamb that had been a pet would be taken and sacrificed. I want you to think about that. Anybody got kids in your house? Imagine bringing home a little fluffy lamb. Lambs are cute. They just go, you know, they got little fluffy white, you know, like it's like nappy hair, but it's fluffy and white, you know. And um, and they're just, it's nothing, nothing rough or difficult. They just, they're just cute, right? And God said, that's the animal that I'm going to use as a sacrificial animal. Just It's innocent. I want a perfect lamb. It's got to be spotless. There can't be any defects, any problems with it. It's got to be a spotless lamb, perfect. But he would have them raise it. It would be raised up in your home, and it would be brought as a sacrifice later that this innocent, this innocent little lamb that's done nothing wrong is going to be sacrificed. And in the Old Testament, it was a picture of what was the coming Jesus. Jesus would be that lamb. Amen? The perfect, holy, sinless lamb of God, innocent done nothing wrong, broken no commandments, never sinned, yet he would be brutally murdered on a cross on our behalf. And so here he says that he looked in the midst of everything and he saw this little pet lamb. But it it was not, it was a little pet lamb, but he could see it as though it had been slain. So it it looked like it had been killed. All the the markings of of death were on it, but it was there in the midst of everything, um, as though it had been slain, but it was there. And that's this is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is a lamb that's been slain, yet he still lives. Amen? And I, I've heard this said, someone said that the, the only man-made thing in heaven are going to be the marks, the scars on Jesus. And I, and I, I, know, I just, you know, as I read this and I'm looking at, you see the lamb as though it's been slain, I wonder what the impact will be that we would see, you know, what our sin costs. We would see what it's done. But John is here in this vision of heaven, and there's everything going on, all the, all the stuff around the throne. But in the midst of everything, he sees this lamb as though it has been slain. And, and then we get these, these descriptions. It, has, it says seven horns. Horns are symbolic of authority or power. Seven is a number of completion. The idea here is that it had complete power. Complete authority has seven eyes. It didn't literally have seven eyeballs. Eyes are eyes are insight. Eyes are, are, are all seeing. We know that he's all seeing. He has perfect sight, knows everything. And these are attributes of God. It has the seven spirits of God. We saw this in Revelation chapter one. We seen it, we saw it in one of the letters to the seven churches. It means that the full working of the Holy Spirit. It's not seven individual Holy Spirits, just the full working of the Spirit of God that are sent out into all the earth. And John is getting this vision, this image of Christ that's there. And all the focus is on the lamb, the lamb that's been slain. So here's something we can take away from this as we read this. As we study Revelation, God's unveiling himself. If I look at heaven and see that, man, the focus in heaven is who? What does the focus seem to be? Jesus. That's the focus. Everybody's attention. It's in the midst of everything, Jesus. And if we do this thing down here right, then when we gather as a church, the focus will be who? Jesus, the lamb that's been slain. It'll be the focus. It'll be what we talk about the most. It'll be what we think about. It'll be who we sing about. We'll be, it'll be the focal point. It'll be the unifying factor of the church. That's what the church is. When we gather together, that's, that's the main thing. That's why we're saved. That's why we're going to heaven. So we got to be careful that sometimes when we look at the church and how divided and messed up things are, people have made the church into a lot of other things. Uh, people can make the church about social issues. People can make the church about race. People can make the church about, you name it, um, people will gather and have a church and the focus will be something else. Whenever you do that, 
is the church starts to divide up in ways that are not God's will. But the focus of the church, when we gather, the focus is Jesus, then there'll, there'll be something that unites us that's very powerful. Because at the foot of the cross, we all need the exact same thing. Amen? If we come to the foot of the cross, I don't care who you are, where you came from, what your background is, how grimy your life or your past used to be, we equally need, we equally need to be at the foot of the cross. We all need to be forgiven. And some of us, you know, have fallen farther than others. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you was on crack and you killed 10 people and you kicked the dog. And if, if somebody else was, you know, a businessman, pretty moral, but don't know Jesus, we come to the foot of the cross. We need the same thing. Without the blood of Jesus, neither one of us makes it. And so there's a unity there, but there's also it unites us in our worship. It unites us in our focus. And so when the church gathers, that's what we're about. That's who we should be learning about, thinking about, talking about the person of Jesus. And so as I look at heaven and I get this glimpse of the heavenly scene, that's where all the focus is on the lamb. And so that's something you could ask yourself is, is that my focus? Do I set my sights, my eyes, my heart on the lamb? There's something very encouraging about that when we do. Right. If I focus on who Jesus is, I know I know that the, the most no matter what's going on in my world. Right. The most important thing is done. Right. I got all kind of loose ends today, things that I could give my attention to. But I can I mean, honestly, with all the things, that, whatever loose ends, whatever things are, are straggling about, my sins are forgiven. That is the most important thing. I can choose to look up higher and focus on that if I want to. Um, and, and I would encourage us that it's a healthy thing sometimes to set our hearts and our minds on things above. So moving on, he sees this lamb in the midst of everything. Look at verse eight. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So Jesus took the scroll because he was worthy to take the scroll. And when he took it, the four living creatures, which we learn were the angels, that were there, these four awesome looking angels that are there uh, in heaven. And then the 24 elders representing the, the people, the believers that are there, they all fall down before the lamb. That's important. You know, there's a lot of postures you can take in worship. You can stand, you can raise your hands, you can kneel. The most humble posture you can take is to be laid out prostrate, to be laid out before. It's, it's lowering yourself as low as you can put yourself to exalt the one that you're laying down before. There's no one that you would lay down in front of but the Lord. Amen. There's no one that deserves that kind of worship. But in heaven, just get this. The angels and the people that are in heaven just hit their faces. They get as low as they can get. That is the, the attitude of heaven. They're laying down before the Lord in worship. Now, as I consider what's happening in heaven, I can consider my worship down here. Do I humble myself before the Lord? You know, do I take it when there's opportunities to corporately worship is my heart humbled? Is there, is there a great gratitude in my heart for who God is, for what God has done for me? They understand some things in heaven that if we read it and receive it, we can understand it on earth. And it's God's will that things be done on earth even as they are in heaven. Amen. So as I get a glimpse of what it looks like in heaven, God is saying, I'll take that. Y'all can do that. Y'all can fall on your faces before me. Again, there's no one else that deserves that kind of that. There's no one else I can think of. I wouldn't fall on my face for anybody, but I would do it for the Lord because there, there's nobody greater than the Lord. There's no one greater than Christ. No one's done for me what he's done for me. And so in heaven, it doesn't seem like they were coerced into it. It just seemed like a natural response. This is just what they did. They, it, it may have just been a response to seeing him that that's just what you do next. We just humble ourselves before him. 
No one said, fall now. They just did it. So they fall down before the lamb. Then it says, each having a harp. Uh, I want to point out that there's music in heaven. Uh, For all the things that are not there, music is there. There's musical instruments. The harps are there. Um, Animals won't be there, but there will be instruments of praise, instruments of worship. So I would point this out. Music in its earliest form, the first music ever made was worship music. Did you know that? The first music ever created was made to worship God. That was the intention of the invention of music is that God would be glorified through it. God likes music. And so there's instruments in heaven. We'll see in a minute there's singing in heaven. So this brings up another point because there used to be one that led the worship in heaven. Everybody know who that was? Lucifer, Satan. And so he was the worship leader in heaven. The Bible says about Satan that he was the anointed cherub who covered. So he was a high-ranking angel, and he had authority over other angels. He was the anointed cherub that covered. And the Bible says in, in a description about Satan that there was instruments in his being, that Satan had instruments in his, in his very being. If you're interested, um, I'll give you a couple places in Scripture you can write down for yourself. Uh, first, write down Isaiah Chapter 14, uh, I'll read 11 through 15. So uh, Isaiah 14, 11 through 15, it says this, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your string instruments. The maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. How you are fallen from, God bless you. <laughs> How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. And this is why Satan fell or was kicked out. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so those are the eye wheels of Satan. Satan was once used to bring worship to the Lord and then came to a point where he said, I I want that for me. I don't want people to worship. I want to worship for me. I'll be like the most high, he said. And God said, no, you won't. He got booted out. The other one, if you're uh, writing these down, you can write down uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. And in Ezekiel 28, I'm going to read 11 through 15. Ezekiel 28, it said, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and beauty and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold, The workmanship of your trembles and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I will establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And so back to Revelation, as we look at the instruments and we look at the music 
Remember that in its original form, music was made to worship God. Satan was a part of the worship. He wanted worship for himself. He's been moved out. God still deserves worship. Amen. He still delights in praise. He still loves music and instruments. But we should be aware of this because Satan is no longer serving God. But you guys don't you guys you guys should be aware that he still got something to do with the music. And, um, you know, we should just be careful what we're singing along to and what the tunes are, knowing that in the same way that God can inspire music, so can Satan. And I believe that one of the ways that Satan steals the worship, he wants what belongs to God. If you've ever watched a, a concert and you go to a, if you watch a concert, you watch, you know, I could name certain people, you know, but you can look at some concerts and it looks like worship. Everybody's hands are raised. It's emphatic. They're just emotional. They're crying. Fall. I remember Michael Jackson, when he used to come, people would just be running and crying and falling and fainting. And it was like, what is it? He's just a guy. He's just a man. Right. It's, it's, I mean, that has to be offensive to God. You know, when you have people that after a man, <laughs> whatever, you know, just falling apart. And it's like because he can play music because he can dance. He died on the cross. So you got to be crazy. You got to be kidding me. You know, um, there are even some artists where it's tricky. You know, I'll, I'll throw this one out for for the rap people. Um, uh, Jay-Z, he has he has them call him Jehovah, Jehovah God MC. And he'll have them put their hands up at a concert and they'd be like and they're yelling out. Jehovah, God, he calls himself that. And that's what people, they're, they're holding up his sign and they're yelling. I'm like, that's like stolen worship. And I don't think it's an accident. You know, I'm not Illuminati. I'm not, I'm not that deep. But some stuff is pretty blatant, you know. Just we want to be careful, right, that I know Satan is still a part of the music. But I also know that my, the Lord still is in the music. He still desires it. We'll see in heaven God's got instruments there. They're singing. We're going to see in just a moment. They're singing new songs there. Um, as believers, we should be good at worship. We should be good at praise. We should be good at giving it up for the Lord. And, and, and for you guys that are gifted in that way, um, we should use that. If you're a songwriter, write them songs. If you write poems, write them for the Lord. If you play something, we, we can, all these things can be taken and used in a way where it's just, it glorifies God, it honors him. He enjoys that. He likes that. He likes, for you guys that are blessed to be creative, God did that. God gave you that so that you could worship him with it. And so back to what we're looking at here. Everybody falls down. They each have a harp. It says there's golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so there's these golden bowls in heaven that they're incense. So the fragrance of heaven are the prayers of the saints, which is interesting. Um, that, that no prayer pray. If you're praying, you're a believer, and you're praying to God, it doesn't go, it's not missed. God, didn't, God did not hear you. God didn't, God didn't forget about you. They're bowls of incense in heaven, which are the prayers of the saints. And they're the aroma of heaven. And so um, don't skip out on prayer. Prayer takes faith because oftentimes when you pray, we don't see things happen immediately. People get discouraged and they stop praying or they feel like they haven't been heard. Um, and sometimes we just got to continue. Keep, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The Lord is listening. He hasn't missed a single prayer. They're in bowls of heaven. They're, they're the fragrance of heaven. They're the incense of the heavenly realm. And so there's instruments. There's incense, which is the prayers of the saints. And then verse 9 says, and they sang a new song. It's saying, and I'll, I'll explain the song, but let me say this real quick. There are some denominations and groups that are, they try to make it super spiritual to sing only old songs. 
So I, I got a friend that's at a church and they believe that, you know, you got to just the songs that are in the hymn books. These are the ones that God likes. And, and I'm not dead serious. There are churches, there, there are groups that really, there are pastors that are doing conferences where they're really pushing this idea that this was when this, this stuff right here is really spiritual. These new songs, they're calling them strange fire and stuff like that. I know this. God likes a new song, right? It's nothing wrong. I, some of them old hits are great, right? They'll be classics. We'll sing them forever. But in the Psalms, he says, sing unto the Lord what? A new song. I want something new. You know, and when you look at this right here, this, they sang a new song right here. I wonder who wrote it. Doesn't say who wrote it. Or, you know, it seemed, I don't know if it was just the, the, they all came up with it at once, but they sang a new thing to the Lord. And it's like they're in the heavenly scene as the revelation of what God just did for them. They now respond in a song. And I believe that that's today. If you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, if you got some kind of creative thing that the best inspiration is going to be, it's going to come from the word of God. You may hear something that, that really ministers. You God may reveal something to you through your devotional life as you sit in a service. That's a great something to write on. That'll be a great place to, to write something off of that where God is, is freshly inspired in your heart. And so they sang unto the Lord a new song. And this is what it said. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And so they're just singing to God his word. It's very simple, but it's true. And this is what's important about that. Our worship should always be according to the truth of the word of God. Amen. Worship can't be, you can't just make up stuff. There are people writing songs that I'm like, that's not even true about God, you know? So there are whole worship, there's supposedly worship music and gospel music that it's like, that's not even true. You can't sing that to God. So we should be, you know, discerning. If I'm going to sing something to God, it should be true. Amen. It should check out with the Bible. So don't just sing it because it's in the gospel category or in the gospel station, because some people are writing stuff where I'm like, that's not even what God wants. You know, the songs that you write, it's all about it's really all about them. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to get some of this. I'm going to get some of that. And I'm like, that's that you gonna sing that to God. <laughs> that's be good luck with that. You know, be careful with that stuff. But here. I mean, as God is revealing himself, as God is revealing his truth, as God is revealing, look, I, I, I was a lamb slain for you. They respond in, in worship and they, they're singing, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain. And next it says, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. This is the song of the saints. Only Christians can say that. Only we can say you have redeemed us to God by your blood because only we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. And so redemption is this. That means that you were, you were lost. Um, you belonged to Satan at some point in time when you weren't saved. And when you gave your life to Christ, the, the purchase of salvation, which you see in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, look, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. The blood of Jesus, you were redeemed. That God paid the price for you, paid the purchase price to redeem you out of the clutch of Satan to himself. Now you'll always belong to him. Now you'll always be with him. Amen. And so we can sing that we've been redeemed also by the blood of the lamb. This is a song that believers can sing that you redeemed us to God by your blood. Then it says out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That lets us know that in heaven, there's some of everybody. Amen. And this is important to me, right? That it's been said that Sunday is still the most segregated day of the week in many places. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. If we do church right. 
if we come together and Jesus is the focus, then there should be lots of different types of people from lots of different types of backgrounds. And we may have nothing in common but Jesus, and that would be enough. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then, remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.